0: You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life.
1: Lord, Lord changed the sermon uh, during, during practice. Um, a little, a little bit of it was was already there, but he cha- he changed the focus, um, and so I want I want to start. We're just going to dive right in. We're gonna we're just going to read uh, Matthew seven thirteen through fourteen, and and don't put it on the board. Okay, don't put it up there. Just listen. Matthew seven verse thirteen. Enter by the narrow gate, for the great for the gate is wide. And the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I had this, I had this scripture uh, on my mind. I was I, like Jay was talking about with the, the Yellowstone stuff. I, I don't watch that. I don't watch a lot of shows. Um, I mean, I try to, but. Just children and sleep are important. Um, and but I like that I see I catch glimpses of of conferences, worship conferences, leadership conferences within the church. I catch glimpses of those. I don't get to watch the whole thing, but I get I catch glimpses. I catch highlights of it. And there there was a conversation. Uh, and the woman, this, this woman who's a worship leader said, she, 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 she read this scripture, she just quoted this scripture in, in verse 14 in specifics, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. And what she said is that to have more of him is to have less of the world, but you can't have more of the world and more of him. One has to give. You have more of the world, you will have less of him. And to have more of him, you have to have less of the world. That doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that you live in a cardboard box on the side of the road. That's not that's not what he's saying. But that which you are willing to sacrifice for Jesus is everything that you have, right? If it is my house that I have to give up, because that's the way in which it will lead me to him then that's what I'll give up. The world or Him. Not both. The way is narrow. And to gain more of Him is to lose and and really understand that it is no longer I who live but Christ in me. It is no longer my life but it is His. The more you understand that, the more of Him you will find the more of Jesus you will encounter when you understand that it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. I've been thinking a lot this week about how, how preference shapes our reality. And it's a false reality. But I, I've i been thinking a lot about this and just thinking about our community and, and thinking about churches and, and just different things like that and just... Wondering again, I've asked, I've, I've, I've examined this a lot. Why are there, why are there multiple churches? Why do we have uh, so many different congregations? And I, I get it from. I I meet with a lot of Lubbock pastors and guys. Forgive me, I'm scatterbrained because I'm figuring this out in the moment. Right, the Lord is speaking and I'm delivering. So, uh, the the paper is just an illusion. There's nothing that is helpful up here anymore. That's all been tossed out. and I meet with these pastors, and they, they are, these pastors in Lubbock, there's a, there's a lot of churches in Lubbock, and so not all of these pastors are connected, but there is a massive group of pastors, about 30 of them. That's 30 churches, okay, uh, across the, the, the plains of West Texas. Um, and, and they are unified, and they, they came and they shared this perspective that I had never heard before, but we, we are so many different churches because this is such a massive place. We can't all hope to gather in one place. And, and they, are, they don't want to have 45 services on a Sunday. They want a connected group of people. And so in that instance, I'm like, amen. That's good. That's, that's a good word. But at the end of it all, why, why have we, the, the destructive part, why have we divided ourselves with denominational lines, um, Nunes shared it this morning, he's, he's, he's working on, on building this unity within his African community uh, of churches that just don't intermingle because, and I, as he was talking about this, the Lord highlighted this again, those, those missionaries that first went to Africa, so many of them went to establish a preference of structure that they had for a country that was not their own. And now having been to Africa several times, they battle a lot of legalism. The, the first sermon I preached in Africa, before I uttered a word, they said, who are you to preach to us when you have tattoos? It's like, let's get it. Let's get into it. Baptism by fire, we're going to go. That's how I opened my sermon in Africa. It was it was delightful. But I was reflecting on that, and Nunez is currently... In, in process of undoing a lot of that legalistic, ridiculous structure that we set up, that people have set up, because that was how they preferred to worship God. And our preference, we we have we have solidified preference, my preference, to be the reality of the world. That's the conflict that we have, right? What what is uh, this this conversation? This is my truth. Right? We have this conversation with everybody like, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I believe this, I believe... That's my truth. Truth is truth. Truth is not opinionated. It is based in facts and reality. But when I, my preference is what I hold as reality, then I can make statements like that. And when we make statements like that and we worship a preference, when we have a preference that we believe to be reality, what we end up doing is we end up making God... A preferential structure of what I would prefer him to be, and that's the God that we worship. And we're truly never worshiping a God; we're worshiping an idol that we've created within ourselves. Um, I I had this conversation. And it's just it's an easy one to talk about, um, just because it's something that we've all dealt with, and it's all it's it's a taboo subject. Worship is always taboo for some reason, and how you worship, it's like, well, no. I, That's not how I worship. That's a preferential statement. That's a preference. I had that conversation with my father um, a long time ago. It's like, well, I just don't sing. That's just not how I worship. No, that's not not what that is. And I'm not sitting in here, you come and you worship. Jay said it beautifully. You worship how you need to worship in that moment. But to make a statement like that, I don't sing because that's not how I worship. That's out of preference. That's not reality. You're ignoring the truth of who the God is. This God that took you out of the trenches when you deserved nothing but staying there. And He didn't just pick you up and take you out. He didn't just invite you into His home and clean you up. But He sat you at His table as His own son. As His own daughter. You were His. And from that moment on, you were an heir to the kingdom of heaven and no one questioned it. Not an entity in heaven questions your seat at the table. But the problem that we're running into is that I would rather worship the God of my preference than the God that is before me. And if we would just stop, as Jay was sharing, if we would just stop to recognize the God that is before you, really take the time to listen And pay attention to who this God is that is standing before you, that all the days of your life has pursued you with goodness, love, and mercy, and will never stop, no matter what you do. If you sharpen your spears and turn your arrows towards Him, He still pursues you with love and mercy and kindness. This is who He is. He does not falter. He does not shake. That God is worthy of everything that I am. But unfortunately, again, when we, rec- when we look at preferences as reality, then when my preference is not met, what does that say about my reality? It's doom and gloom. Life is terrible. Life is awful. Life is hard. Like No, your preference just didn't add up with what the Lord had for you, and you thought that that meant everything was bad. And then you remove thankfulness from the equation, and right now, there is a there is there is such a weight on me just in the last several weeks i've had i 've had a lot of conversations um, with different people and and not just with people directly but also having conversations around other conversations where people are coming to me with questions about a conversation that they had and they're trying to figure out like, what does this mean? What, what are they saying? And all of that I've realized is that so much of the church today has been built around my preference and what I want to do and what I want to see done. And in that place, there is no room for unity. In that place, there is no room for the kingdom because you are sitting on the throne. And when we do this, all we, all we do is we create division, we create turmoil, we create strife, and we create division within our own hearts. And thankfulness doesn't exist. And right now, the Lord is trying to bring out of us a unity, not with one another. That is a fruit of something else. You hear, did you hear what I'm saying? We focus too much on unity together. Unity with one another will not exist if the tree that produces that fruit is not planted. I've got to be unified with Him. With Him, who He is and what He says is true about me and what my purpose is in this. His vision, not my own. His will, not my own. His life, not my own. His to guide, His direct. To direct. To direct and when that unity exists there is unity with one another so what i'm telling you this morning is i i feel so strongly and so pressed i've got this quote um, this quote in, in my notes uh, believe it or not i didn't this it had a different it had a different purpose i thought this morning if i can find it Church, when we partner with the God that is, and and we talked about it last week, thankfulness is, is this way to stay rooted in the will of God and to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. You cannot have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Lord is doing if you are not thankful. Period. I have never found a wise, grumpy person. I have never found a wise person that lives a life without gratitude. Ever, Those that I know, those that I have encountered in my own story to where their, their relationship with the Lord is almost terrifying to me because of the intimacy that they have with Him. It's scary. It's like, like they sit at His table. You can feel it. It's intense. It's profound. It's, it's magnificent. But rooted within them is always thankfulness. But... When we partner with the reality of who God is, with thankfulness, with His peace, with His joy, and we recognize who He is and what He's done, and we give all of ourselves to Him. I don't know about y'all, but I did not want that worship time to end. Because I felt, you got to understand this. Last week we left, and there wasn't a one of us that came off this stage encouraged. You need to hear that. I love you, but you need to understand that. Not a mouth moved last week. And I, I had to ask this question. Are we worshiping the same God? Because I can't, I can't not engage Him when I begin to sing about Him because of what He's done. That doesn't mean that I'm always singing. Oftentimes when I'm down there sitting on the front row, my mouth isn't moving. But I'm telling you, the Lord is welling up within me because of who he is, of of what he's done, of who he is and how he has come after us. If we don't partner with these things and give all of ourselves to him as I could feel. I don't know if every one of you gave all of yourselves to the Lord and engaged with him fully. But I know more than I've experienced in a couple weeks did. And I could feel the thickness of the spirit drawing us deeper into more profound and beautiful things, drawing us and pulling us into deeper things. And so when we allow that, when we give ourselves fully to not the God that I prefer, but the God that is, and again, when was your preference better than what God had intended? It's never better. Spoiler alert. It's never better than what God has for you. Every good and every perfect thing comes from the Father of lights. Every good and perfect thing comes from him. When we partner with these things, when we say yes to these things, we begin to evaluate our lives in unity with heaven. And when I am unified with the kingdom, I can be unified with those who are members of it. But if I'm not first unified with the kingdom, I will never be unified with the body. Church, to choose Jesus, to truly choose Jesus is to leave the world and the preferences behind. And the more of him that you want, the less of the world that you can have. So I, again, I, I have to ask this, this simple question, but it's an important, it's not a simple question. It's, it's a magnificent question and it, it has your life hanging in the balance. Do you want Jesus? telling. I've, I've come to this place, like I said, I've had these conversations over the last couple of weeks where I've realized that, that people don't want Jesus, they want their version of Jesus. They don't want to serve the church, they want to serve their version of what they think the church should be doing. We've had this, Jay and I have battled this for years, um, just with different things, uh, they, they didn't want what the Lord wanted to bring. They wanted their version of the Lord to bring something. And now is the time for us to answer this question truthfully. Do you want Jesus? Like, we really got to ask ourselves this. Church, I have, I have felt the heaviness of our community this week more than I have felt it in a very long time. And I have felt the reality of what it is if we continue to serve the preferential God that I've created and not the God that has come in reality. And the consequence is, is sundown becomes another place where there is no Jesus, there is no spirit, the kingdom is not here, it's just a desolate place, a desert wasteland. To think that that is not possible for this city is foolish. There are consequences to our choices. There are consequences to our choices. And the difficult part that I've been dealing with this week is that the people, there's, there's so many, and I'm, I'm not trying to point fingers. I'm, rec- I'm, I'm looking at myself in these things too, understand that. But I, I went to church with all of you for eight years, I've gone to church with you. I've been a part of this community. I sat and listened to Randy teach and changed my life with the revelation of truth that he brought to us that we now stand on today. How can we still serve a different God? It's because we are continuing continuing to water a tree that will only produce destructive fruit. It will only be sour. It will only be bitter. It is not what the Lord has intended for you. Because to find what He has intended for you is to choose Him and leave all else behind. So we have got to ask ourselves in this moment, in this time in our community, recognizing that there there are lives attached to my obedience and my disobedience. Every choice I make, there is a life attached to it. Every single choice I make, there is a life attached to it. I've never felt that more than I did when I had children. Everything I decided to do affects them. Every single thing we decide to do affects them. So if that's true in, our, in this natural plane of existence, then of course it's true in the supernatural. Every choice that I make has a cause and has an effect of the world, to, towards the world around me. And so we have got to really and genuinely ask this question. You've got to ask this question for yourself. And it's not just a question that you can answer simply because the answer requires everything. Do you want Jesus? Because he requires all of you, not part of you. He he does not want the Sunday hour of sacrifice. That's not what he wants. He wants your life. He wants your every single breath. He wants to own every heartbeat in your chest. Not because He wants to control you and be a a master over you, but because He knows what you were made for. You can't believe the things of Scripture that all things were made for Him and through Him. You can't say that you believe that and not believe that every breath you take was anointed with purpose for the kingdom of heaven. If you're going to acknowledge some of it, you've got to acknowledge all of it. I had to have this conversation with my son uh, this week where he's like, I think some people believe in darkness but don't believe in light. Like, that's profound, son. That is profound. What is that? That's belief rooted in hopelessness. Some people just believe that there's only dark. There's only destruction. There's only negativity. But how many of you know that darkness is only the absence of light? I had to ask him this question. When I tell you goodnight, when does it become dark in your room? He says, when you turn the light out. Right. It only becomes dark when we turn ourselves off and we turn ourselves off when we choose that which I've created within myself instead of that which is true for me that has come from him. Mm -hmm. You have alienated yourself. You have rendered yourself ineffective because you've turned yourself off when you choose that of the world. And it's, guys, it says it in Scripture. It's easy to choose the world. He says it right there. It is going to be way easier for you to choose that which is of the world rather than that which is of me. But what's that, what's that common expression? If it was easy, everybody would do it. I don't see every seat filled in this room, so that must mean it's not easy. It's tempting, but it's not easy until I experience what it is to choose him. Then it becomes very easy because what it is to choose him is way better than what it is to choose myself. Way better. It's better for my wife. It's better for my children. It's better for this community. It's better for my friends. When I choose him and I don't choose Parker, the world around me thrives. When I choose myself, the world around me is poisoned and becomes toxic and becomes a reflection of that which is rooted in me. And nothing good came from Parker because I couldn't save myself. He saved me. I couldn't do good without him. I couldn't believe in his goodness without him. I couldn't say yes and have faith in who he was until he showed me who he was, exposed his heart to me, and gave it to me. But it was only until that point was Parker able to step into the goodness of God. It's not anything that I've originated. It's only ever originated in him. So if I want goodness to exist in this community, if I want goodness to exist in this house, I have got to choose Him. We have got to choose Jesus. And we have got to understand that the way is narrow. And few will choose it. So if you find yourself walking down the street and you are surrounded by people walking the same direction, thousands and thousands walking the same direction, ask yourself, what gate have I entered? What gate am I walking through? Because the way is narrow and you can't have the world if you want more of Jesus. And we are desperately in a season right now in this world, in this community. I, I can't look around. I can't look at anything on social media or anything and not become incredibly discouraged by what people are subscribing to, what people are saying yes to, the way that they're acting. It's getting to the point now where somebody just walking down the street with a Bible and, and, sh- and just saying, hey, Jesus loves you, is getting pummeled to death. We live in a world right now, an old man, this just happened. An old man who happened to be a retired police chief was just riding his bike, 78 years old, just riding his bike. And there's a video of two kids saying, hit him, hit him. And they're laughing about it. And they hit him and they killed him. Ran him over. And they were laughing hysterically because they just killed this, this little white man. Thought it was awesome. They, they're being praised for attack. You know that there are, there are Jewish students on campuses right now that are, are locked down in the middle of campus, and they can't get out. They've had to barricade themselves in rooms because there are so many people that are seeking to kill them because they've sided with Hamas. This daisy-cutter world that we've subscribed to doesn't exist. It's warfare out there. It's dark out there. And we, those that know the truth and know what will set them free, have turned ourselves off for convenience to subscribe to a God that does not exist. A God that exists within me and me alone. A God that I've designed, that I've created. Church, that cannot be. There is not a day to waste What does it say in Ephesians 5? Do not live as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are full of what? Evil. They're full of evil. So what time do we have anymore to wait to choose Jesus or not? You're not guaranteed. We have this perspective, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. I, 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 I watch. It's an addiction. Um, and I blame Randy Winfrey for it, um, but The Big Bang Theory—it's a TV show—got me hooked on that uh, Sunday afternoons. Going to his house, eating, uh, eating lunch, and The Big Bang Theory or golf would be on. That's what we watched. Um, but there's this uh, this quote in it, and they're talking about exercising because one of them, who's an engineer. His wife wanted him to exercise more, and so she got him a Fitbit to keep track of how much he was moving to kind of make sure that, keep him accountable that you're exercising. So what he did was he created a device that would move like an arm, and he he, he put the watch on it. And it's really funny, because at the end of the episode, she's like, why does it say that you walked 8,000 miles? He's like, uh, caught. all right, left it on high for too long, but... As they're, as they're looking at this and they're discussing this device that he made, one of the guys makes a comment. He said, do you know that even thinking about exercising can have physical benefits? And then the others, all right, are you going to think about exercising? And what does he say? "Now nah, I'll do it tomorrow. But that is our mentality. And unfortunately, that's the mentality that we have around Jesus and taking him seriously. And taking this time on earth seriously. And establishing the kingdom with with passion and with boldness and with accuracy. We take the approach of, ah, I'll just do it tomorrow. There's not a one of us in here that can guarantee tomorrow. There's not a one of us in here that can guarantee this building will even exist tomorrow. We could wake up in the morning and not have a place to worship. It's that simple. It happens that quickly. Life does not wait on you to choose what is convenient or what is for you. It will leave you behind, whether you like it or not. Something that I'm realizing as a parent that time doesn't care how much I want my little girl to stay a little girl. It's going to take that time away from me no matter what. So I can either enjoy it while I've got her as a little baby that I can hold or I can let it pass me by and look back and wonder why I let it go. Time will not wait for us, church. The world is going to continue to move whether we choose him or not. But there are lives that will be affected by us choosing the wide gate over the narrow one. And so you really need to ask yourself, we really need to ask ourselves individually, do I really want Jesus? And if the answer is yes, you have to have the discipline then from that place to choose him. When it's easy and when it's not. It's easy to choose him in this room. It's inconvenient to choose him at work. It's inconvenient to choose him when you would rather be doing something else instead of going and doing what he's asked you to do. It's easy to choose the world Monday through Saturday. Don't let choosing him in here be the only measure. If we really want change in this city, if we want the world to be impacted by what the Lord has released to Sundown Church, We have got to be a people who are willing to choose the narrow way and not the wide gate, but the narrow gate. We've got to be a people who are thankful, who rejoice, who say yes to the kingdom no matter what the cost to me. No matter what the cost to me. That if it means that my life will bring him more glory with me on the other side of heaven than me on this side of heaven, then let it be let it be if my life would bring him more glory moving away from every family every friend that we've ever had to a place in the middle of west Texas then let it be that has to be where we live that's the only place that change is brought about if we and it's, there's no condemnation or, or guilt in this that's not the Lord if you feel that rebuke it because that's not of God But we've really got to be able to answer that question. As a church, as individuals, do we want Jesus? Or do I just want my version of Jesus? Do I want him in his entirety? Do I want to experience a piece of his heart that is yet to be discovered by those on earth? If he's endless... If there is no end to who He is, then that means there are pieces of Him yet to be discovered. And we have the opportunity to discover those things. But to discover those things, the way is narrow. And it, the way is hard. He says it. He doesn't say it's easy. He says it's hard. Because it's not convenient to the world's standards. And it will go against everything that the world has said is what needs to be done. That's why it's hard. But to choose Jesus is only difficult for a little bit. It's only difficult when I refuse to let go of the world around me. But to choose Jesus, when I let go of the world and I just choose who He is and I see Him for who He is, it becomes real easy to choose Him after that because I recognize how poorly I manage my life and how wonderful He has and how, how many wonderful and beautiful things He has in store for me when I choose Him. So, Church, this is my challenge to you, to answer this question and answer it honestly. And whatever the answer is, answer it honestly and then determine what you, what you do from there. This has got to be a discussion you have with yourself. You've got to have this conversation on your own. I can't have it for you. I'm having that conversation for myself. I'm currently asking him. I'm not currently asking him. He asked me this morning, am I worth it? Everyone in here would be like, oh yeah, of course. Of course. But we can say that because we're comfortable. What happens when you're really uncomfortable? What happens when you're, when you're being called into situations that you with everything in your flesh are trying to get away from? Is He still worth it? Is He worth your suffering? Is He worthy of giving the hard things to as well as the easy things? We praise Him for the easy things. Do we praise Him in the midst of the difficult ones? Is He worthy? Is He worthy of it all? We sang that this morning. Is He truly worthy of it all? Church, we've got to ask ourselves these questions. I kind of knew that this had been on my heart, this, this word that we've kind of been navigating. I kind of knew it was on my heart. And uh, just in the conversations I've been having with the Lord and I'll be, I'll be really honest when he, when he called me this, this morning in the midst of worship, to begin to, in, in our practice time, to, to ask that question, to ask that question, "Do we want Jesus?" I was terrified to ask you, because I'm scared to know the answer. I'm genuinely terrified because I know he's good, and I love him, and I just want the world around us to know what I know, to know what you know about who he is. But what is scary is that so many will say, I don't want Jesus that bad. And that breaks my heart. Some of you in this room will say that. And that's the reality I've had to come to grips with. I don't like it. Now, it's not comfortable, but that is the reality, that some just don't want Jesus. The way is narrow, and those that follow it are few. And that part is hard when you know how good this way is and the blessing that is in it, and the joy that, it is, that is in it, and the freedom that is in it, the peace that is found in it, the thankfulness, the gratitude, the miraculous nature of God that you get to experience. This way may be narrow, and it may be difficult, but oh my goodness, is it worth it. But so many will say no before they ever experience how wonderful it is, and it breaks my heart. Sundown is not immune to that. This church is not immune to that. It is our choice each and every day. And guess what? One day he can be worth it, and the next day he can wake up and not, you can wake up and him not be worth it. It's a choice that we make every day, not one time, and then it's just done. You don't have to think about it. It is a conscious choice that you have to make. Is he worth it? Every time I come to a difficult circumstance, is he worth it? Do I want him? Or do I want the world? Do I want more of Jesus, or do I want more of me? And so that, that, is, that is what I would ask of you. To begin to, whatever the, wherever you will land, that's not mine to worry about or control or influence. But I would ask that you would begin to ask yourself and to dive into this question, do I want more of Jesus? Is he worth it? And then let, let what happens happen. After that, whatever you choose, own it as your choice. But just know that that so much of what the Lord has for us next hinges on our answer to that question. You hear what I'm saying? The walls of Jericho fell down not because the people willed it to, but because they stepped into obedience to what the Lord would have them do. But if they were disobedience, the walls would still stand. If they did not step into what the Lord commanded and what the Lord asked of them, the walls would still be there. You hear what I'm saying? If we want the walls around this community to fall, are we willing to step into what he's asked us to do? I don't, I, and I don't want this to be heavy. I know I, I feel heavy and I, I, don't, I don't mean to, I've, I'm processing different things um, and I can't, I can't, I have no desire to come up here and put on a show for you. I love you, but I'm just, that's, I can't do it. I'm not an actor, I didn't take theater. I don't know how to do it. I've worn my emotions on my sleeve my entire life and so I'm always gonna be raw. So I'm not gonna be that pastor that gets up here and puts a smile on his face for smile's sake. It, but this, just know this is not a heavy thing. There's joy in this, there's, there's gratitude in this, there's peace and there's love and there's goodness in it because it is Jesus. But it is a world altering question that we're asking. Do we want Jesus. That, the answer to that question has the ability to shape the future of an entire city of people. It's a, that's a big question. It's big. So just know that it's not, it's not despair in which I come to you. It's a recognition of the magnitude of the answer to that question. Because there's also great joy as I dream of what does it look like when a room of people say, yup. I just want Jesus. If he needs everything I've ever gained in my entire life right now so that I can have all of him, he can have it. Because when a people show up to a community and that is the position of their heart, the kingdom of heaven will be at hand and lives will be transformed. There will be freedom. Miracles will break out. Lives will be changed and sundown will look like the kingdom of heaven more than anything else but right now we find ourselves at the fork. Do I want Jesus or do I want the world? And I would ask you to please, just out of of respect and love for this house and for this community that is your own, it's not just my community, it's our community. West Texas is our our territory that the Lord has placed us in. Out of respect for that, please, please, Pursue that question and answer it for yourself. Please just do that. Whatever the answer is, I don't care what it is. It's yours. It's not mine to own and I'm not going to own it, but please please pursue that question. I'm begging you to get an answer to it. Whatever it is, it's yours, and that's between you and the Lord. I'm not going to own that decision because it's yours to make, but... Please pursue it. Don't let this be a Sunday where we leave and we forget everything that we just talked about until next Sunday when I start the sermon with a review. Let's not be those people. Entertain it now. Let the Lord lead you into understanding and answering that question now, please. Is that fair?
0: So I just want to plant a seed so you can be ready. Um, And be sure to turn on your ears and open your eyes this week. But he'll bring you to moments throughout your week where he asks that, am I worth it?
1: Mm.
0: You'll have lots of moments throughout your week, hard ones, easy ones. But he's going to ask you that question. He's going to ask it to you when you're walking into the grocery store. Someone needs help. Am I worth it? Um, So, yeah, I want to share that and
1: uh, be ready. Mm. Okay, do it. Um, I'll just stand here because I'm loud, but...
0: Um, Will you do it for the live stream? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like, um, you know, there are probably a lot of you that already know the answer to that question. I know Roland and I have been um, on this journey trying to find more of the Lord. You know, we've said yes to a lot of scary things this year um, in, in acts of obedience together. But as we were singing, and Jay was just telling us, go into that with gratitude, thankful for every season you're in, whether it's hard, whether it's uncomfortable, whether it's great, go into it with gratitude. And the Lord gave me a picture of, I thought it was a ripple, but then uh, Parker started preaching, and the Lord said it was an echo.
1: Mm. And I
0: was like, okay, God, what's an echo? Um, And I'm not a sound person, but uh, it's the repeating sound of an original source. And uh, so then I just started asking the Lord. Sorry, Parker. I was kind of just talking you with the Lord as back. you were preaching. But what, what is that? And um, the Lord just said, what, what song has God been singing over your life? that you need to be singing so that it can reach the ears and hearts of those around you, so that the glory of God can not only be seen, but felt. And so sound, it is something we hear, but sound also creates a vibration that we can feel. Mm -hmm. And so God has been singing a song in each of our lives that we need to actively share. And then the Lord just led me to this verse, and I'm just going to tell you about the original source that's within you. Um, This is Psalms 29. The voice of the Lord echoes through the skies and the seas. The glory God reigns as he thunders in the clouds. So powerful is his voice, so brilliant and bright. How majestic as he thunders over the great waters. His tympanic thunder topples the strongest of trees. His symphonic sound splinters the mighty forest. Now he moves Zion's mountains by the might of his voice, shaking the snowy peaks of the ear-splitting sound. The lightning fire flashes, striking as he speaks. God reveals him when he makes the fault lines quake, shaking deserts speaking his voice. God's mighty voice speaks, makes the deer give birth. His thunderbolt voice lays the forest bare. In his temple, all fall before him with each one shouting, glory, glory, the glory of God. Above the fierce, furious flood, the enthroned one reigns. The king God rules with eternity at his side. This is the one who gives his strength and his might to his people. This is the Lord giving us his kiss of peace. And so if you are nervous, um, that's part of our how. That is the original voice inside of us. And that is the power that it holds. So that's
1: it. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.